Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amobi Kugo, back again with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be talking with individuals from around the soccer world, learning about their stories and getting their unfiltered thoughts and opinions. This week, we're joined by Malmo FF Baller, Romain Roly Goal. I just gave him that nickname right now. Uh, we're going to get to know all about Romain, talking about his career, learning about his off-pitch endeavors, and everything that he's up to. Uh, Romain, how you doing today? I'm good, man. Happy to be here. So first things Pleasure first, uh, thank you for taking the time. We know there's a time difference where you're at, but two truths and a cap. L, take it away. I, I'm keeping score. We're tied. Um, so let's Nah, you up. You up. Oh, I'm up? You up. 1-0. Oh, look yep, at me. Not up, even keeping score the right way. All right. See? <laughs> All right. So two truths and a cap. Uh, this is a little quick game we like to play. Um, Romain, you'll tell us three facts about yourself. Two will be true. One will be a lie. And Amobi and I have to guess what the lie is. So, like Amobi said, he's up 1-0 for the year. Hopefully, I can I can level it up after this. So, whenever you're ready, man. All right. So, all right. So, first one, I trained with uh, Manchester United. I speak four languages. And I played soccer against Steve Nash. Ooh, thanks, man. You can have these ready, man. I just came up with them five minutes ago. <laughs> Okay. Hey, those good ones though. Um, oh. I believe the language, the language part. Yeah, he's well traveled no. for sure. Uh, um, I feel like I would play with Steve Nash him. and train with. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Manchester United is cap. Because he definitely, because Steve Nash does the, the Steve the Nash seems doable. He does, you know the, he does the foundation stuff and like. Yeah, Roman be out there in L.A. Yeah, Steve, Steve be out there in L.A. Uh, yeah, I'm going Man U. I think it was like, I think you, I remember you went somewhere, but I don't think it was Man U. So that's Cap. All right, both of y'all locked in. <laughs> oh, the way he said it like that, I want to change it now. But uh, yeah, we, we locked in. I'm locked in nah, at least. No, nah, that was actually a truth. So the, uh, damn. the Cap was the I speak four languages. Oh, it's only three or something uh, or what? Yeah, I speak French, English, and some Spanish. So, yeah. Uh, look at me being, oh, yeah. being too over analytical. No, I had to be tricky. I had to come with, with my uh, research. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I figured because you've been playing overseas for quite some time, it would be four. But uh, all right, cool. We both lost that L, so still 1 0. Yeah. Uh, but Romain, obviously, yeah. well traveled. You know, you've been a pro for quite some time. But when did you fall in love with soccer? Um, I'd say when I was about seven years old. I think um, just being at home with my with my dad and my brother, just watching. Uh, at the time, we were very big on Arsenal, watching with Thierry Henry and uh, also Ronaldinho back when he was in Barcelona. I think just watching that era is what kind of, you know, emphasized my love for it. Obviously, Zidane also with the French national team. You know, obviously my French, my family's French, so like that was a big. Those three players were the main reason why I really like was watching every day and then I fell in love with it. Okay. And then you say you grew up in France, but you were raised in the DMV. So give us like a history of like a timeline of your, of your story to where you are now. Yeah. So I was born in Paris, born in Paris, France. Then I moved to the U S when I was about six, seven years old. And, um, yeah, grew up there, just started, started actually playing on real teams in the U S cause in France, I was just playing for fun with friends and stuff. 
And then um, I left home when I was 12 and I went to Brad Friedel's academy called PSA. So he had opened up an academy in Ohio and uh, it was a bunch of foreign players. So that's when I really was like, okay, you know, I'm leaving home at such an early age. Like this is, this is what I'm trying to do, you know? And so I did that and then the place got shut down. So then I came home for a bit and then I went to uh, Real Salt Lakes Academy in Casa Grande, Arizona. So I went there for about a year and a half maybe. And then I signed a three-year deal in Lorient in France when I was about 15, 16. And so I just completely moved by myself um, overseas. So it's France. So I was kind of familiar with, uh, I didn't, I never lived in that city, but France is my, my, my home also, you know, so uh, lived there for three years and then came back to the U.S. and signed with Columbus for about, you know, I came um, in the summer when the European season was finishing. So I had about a few months left in that MLS season. And then I did a full 2015. And then uh, from there, uh, Columbus was done. So I went over to Sweden, started in uh, New Shepping. It's a third division at the time. So I stayed there for one season and then I got recognized by Sundsvall, which is a team in first division. And then uh, I was there from 2017 until summer of 2018. And then I signed in Malmo summer of 2018. And I've been at Malmo since. No, that's amazing. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, for you, moving away at a young age, you know, I remember when the PSA Academy came out with, you know, Coach Brad Friedel. I know Desmond Armstrong was involved. Um, talk about that experience. You got a lot of people that want to go pro and they don't understand the sacrifices that it takes. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to do residency at a young age, but you did PSA, you did Casa Grande, you went pro at 15. Talk about that experience of being on your own and like having the discipline to grind. Yeah, it's not easy for sure. I think uh, when you're that young, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. You know, you're just, I was 12 years old. I just wanted to play. And this was like Desmond actually approached me with that opportunity to go to PSA. And so for me, I just looked at it like I'm going to be around international players uh, Brad Friedel, who was a Premier League player at the time, is, you know, the main guy. So for me, it was just like, wow, I'm going to play with, you know, facilities are crazy. And so it was just like to take it more serious the next step. But then obviously, when you're away from home, like that was the hardest thing I think I had done. I didn't realize how hard it was going to be until like it hit me that I was there by myself. And then, you know, I was the youngest one in the academy. So they'd actually let me go home every weekend, like fly back and forth, because my parents live in northern Virginia. And so when I would go home and then when it'd be time to go back to the academy, like I would never want to go back because it would be too hard for me to just leave my family yeah. again, you know. But then once I went back and I was like back in the flow, then, you know, you feel better. But it's, it's hard, man. People are not realizing, like you said, the sacrifices that you make and and everything that comes with it, you know? Yeah, so talk about that. You talk about going back to the DMV, DMV's home. In the off-season, are you going back to the DMV? Yeah, right, right now? now? Yeah, yeah, I always go back uh, for the holidays. Okay. Obviously, I take a little trip, like, to the West yeah. Coast or whatever, see some friends. 
but I'm always like, you know, with the family for Christmas and New Year's. And okay, stuff. so real quick, because we've had a lot of people from the DMV on our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where are you ranking DMV? I'm not sure if you playing pickup with the DMV community. I know your age group, uh, a lot of DMV cats are, you know, playing at a high level. Where are you ranking DMV when it comes to like a national setting? Honestly, I think it's up there. <laughs> like, I'm just speaking on on uh, just growing up in the DMV. And like, I remember playing with Region 1 and uh, even like Virginia State team. I think we had a lot of quality. And like Region 1 was also, was always a strong region. I know Region 4 was also stacked with like a lot of yes, good sir. players. Yes, sir. But I, th- yeah, I think, but I think it was Region 1 and Region 4 were up there, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and like you said, a lot of players, I can name a lot of players that came out of the East Coast, but DMV, I, I know some ballers that came out of there too. Okay. And then for you, you know, you're going pro after Casa Grande. What was the decision like to stay? Um, you could have stayed in the States, you know, gone MLS. You could have had the possibility of going to University of Maryland, but you chose to go back to France. So did they scout you? Did you have an agent? How did this opportunity come about? Yeah, so first of all, like me, I just, coming from a French family, like we always felt that European football was the best football. And that's what I grew up watching. And that's that's where my dreams came mm-hmm. from. So honestly, from an early age, I knew I wouldn't go to college and I knew I didn't want to go MLS. So I always had this just Europe, Europe. There was nothing else, you know? Yeah. And so as far as me signing, honestly, it was just trials. Like I got in touch with people who could get me trials. And I was, uh, I had done a few. I had done Bordeaux and I had done Rennes and I did Lorient and Lorient was the one that stuck. And um, that's how I ended up signing there. But I just did, I had no agent. I just had maybe a contact that could get me a trial. And, uh, and every summer, you know, when the season in the U.S. was done, I would kind of go over there and, and try out. Perfect. So we got a lot of folks you know, young kids that are trying to make it pro, um, they listen to our show. Um, some of them goes on trials. Some of them trying to break into a new team. You've been on yeah. trials. You've been on new teams. You've, you know, been in different situations, different experiences. What is one thing, you know, when you're on trial that you got to make sure to do to hopefully, you know, catch the coach's attention? No, I think trials are tricky, man. I think sometimes, first of all, you got to get the right setup because a lot of people, they'll send you on trials, but the teams aren't really looking for your position or they're not, they're not really like, they're they're like, yeah, we'll have a look at him, but they're not really, they don't really need you. Mm -hmm. So unless you're in there better than whoever they have, because you can be at the same level and they won't sign you because it's like, we already, we already have this player. So I think the first thing is like, okay, making sure you're going to a trial where they actually need somebody in your position. And then the second is like, you just got to be sharp. Like for, if your trial is weak, is one week, you got to, like you got to, it's hard, but you got to show basically everything you can in that week because time goes and there's already people in there that have your position, but that you need to bump. They need to have a reason like, okay, this guy we need to take him over the players that we already have. So it's tricky, but like, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, it's now or never type of moment, you know? 
No, that's great advice because a lot of times people say, well, I got to use the first two days to get acclimated. It's, no, you don't have any time to acclimate. You got to make your There's mark. Nothing there. Uh, yeah, first impression is huge. A lot of times, to be honest, even though they won't say it, like first two days, if you're not showing, they probably already made their mind up. <laughs> exactly. And then they're they're letting you finish the trial for just being courteous. Yeah. But no, yeah. that's real. That's real life. And there's a lot of people that have been on trials that, you know, they think, how come I didn't make it? It's like you messed up the first day when you was late or you, you know. Right. Uh, but trials are tricky. It's a, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, I'm 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 good. So I'm going to try out and I'm going to make it. But it's just it's so many factors. Because you can be good and they don't take you. Mm -hmm. There's so many players who go here and they don't take them and they go somewhere else and then they blow up, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, you play in Lorient. Um, talk about your, you know, getting your debut and all that. In uh, Lorient? Yeah, Lorient. Sorry. I didn't pronounce it the right So, way. no, no. So I never, I never played with the first team when I was there. Um, I had trained with them, but I was very young. So um, I had never, so in France, you can still sign, you know, professionally or whatever and get paid. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened. But I never made my debut with the first team. Just, um, I started under 17s, under 19s reserves, trained with the first team, but um, no official like League One game. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And how was that grind? You know, understanding <clears throat> like, you know, you're in Europe, but you haven't, you know, broke through to the first team. Um, was it a situation where, you know, I'm going to keep grinding and then Columbus came came about and you just decided to make that move or how did it, how did that all situate? Yeah. I mean, when I was in France, I was loving every every moment. Like you really first of all, you notice the difference in uh, in the level. It's so much quicker. The guys are sharper. Like, you know, you come across guys that are that are sick, you know, mm -hmm. and and like for me, it was still like I'm still young. And I was just playing, you know, there was no business side of it to like not make me enjoy it. So I was just playing. And and of course, like when you see the pros, it just motivates you to like just stay in Europe and do your thing. And for me, I'm European. So it's not like I felt like, oh, I'm in Europe. I just felt like I'm home, yeah. like I'm just playing. You know what I mean? And so I never actually wanted to do MLS. Like my mind was so Europe, right? So if I'm not in Lorient, then I'm trying to find another club. And so when my contract was uh, coming to an end with Lorient and we weren't renewing, I had actually trained with uh, Espanol in Spain. And um, that looked promising at the time. And then, you know, things don't happen for whatever reason. World Cup was there. The club doesn't have money. So my like I went to train with them for a few days nothing concrete came out of it so then it's like i need to make a decision do i want to go back to europe and do more trials and like you know potentially not get picked up or do i want to sign this guaranteed contract that i have and there was a lot of back and forth and at, after a while i just chose to like sign the guaranteed contract instead of like going back and trying to do several trials mm -hmm. So you come to Columbus, and you know, offline we spoke about there, there may be have there may be some misconceptions when it came to your time in Columbus. So uh, we want to hear from you because you know when it comes to Twitter and blogs and all these different things, everyone's speaking from the outside looking in. Um, yeah. Describe your time in Columbus and you know your relationship with coach and your teammates. 
Yeah. I mean, when I came to Columbus in the beginning, that was like my first real experience of like being with a full professional group, like 100%, you know? So for me, it was like, okay, this is official. You know, in France, I was with the youth also. So this is like, I'm a pro. So the first I, however, four or five months when I came were amazing. You know, I, I made my debut. I was uh, playing, training, I, like I was living a different lifestyle. And um, then I, I was also going with the youth national team. So everything was balancing well. Like I had playing time constantly, you know. And then we go into the off season, get ready for the new season. I have World Cup uh, qualifiers with the under 20 national team. So I'm away for preseason for a little bit. And then uh, I actually hurt my knee. Um, so I had to be out for like five weeks. And so I'm missing most of preseason. And um, I end up coming back, and I think the U20 is supposed to go to the World Cup, and, you know, the coach doesn't call me for his reasons. And then Columbus at that time is running. Like, they're winning games and everything, so it's kind of hard to break in the team. Mm -hmm. And um, so then I ended up going on loan um, towards the end of the season to Austin just to get games yeah. and everything. And, um, I mean, you know – like my experience was was good overall because I learned a lot. I was very young still. I was 19 and I learned a lot. I had a good coach. Greg is is he's a good coach, you know, and he ran that team very well and we were winning. We got to MLS Cup final. So things were like there's nothing that I could have said like that could have you know been against the team because it was working. Yeah. Whatever he was doing was working. So it's hard to break in that team. Um but I, I learned a lot and, you know, I enjoyed my time in Columbus, even though it didn't finish the way, like, you know, you always hope it can. No, I think it's really important that you shared that because if you don't know, um, no one sees the insides. No one would, maybe people didn't know you had an injury or maybe people don't see that, you know, a winning team, it's hard to break in. You got to wait for uh, a loss of form or someone yeah. else, you know, getting injured and you taking their spot. Um, yeah. so to get that insight, you know, a lot of people don't, don't really see that from the standpoint of, you know, national team, you know, you mentioned you, you consider yourself European French, um, but also American at the same time. What was the, mm -hmm. uh, decision-making process behind, you know, playing for the United States? Uh, that, the decision was, was very easy. I, I'm not going to lie. When I was very, very young, like France was the only national team I really knew because I'm in a French house, you know, that's the games we were watching. So that's what I grew up with. But as I got older, you know, I'm from the U.S. I feel now I feel more American than French mm -hmm. because I grew up my, my, you know, your dominant years. I was in the U.S. Like everything I do, my best friends are all in the U.S. So for me, when I had the opportunity to play for the U.S., it was a no-brainer. And that's the – honestly, I would make that – even if I had France and U.S. now, I would still make the choice to, to pick the U.S. Just because it's more – it feels more home to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So, all right, what if France plays U.S. like in a game? You're just a spectator cheering on. Who are you rooting for? I'm rooting for the U.S., man. You know how many times I visualize that in my head? <laughs> that's that's the game I want to play. I yeah. wish I could play against France. You know, we actually we actually played against France under 18 national team. And, like, that was probably the most excited I've ever got for a game. Because I also knew players on the right. French national team. 
So it's like, you know? Yeah. But nah, yeah, I visualize that all the time. So for you, you've, you know, you've lived in Europe, you've played in Europe, you've lived in America, you've played in America. What would it take for the USA to start building the development like France? You know, if you think of France, the national team, they can have an A, B, C team and still be competitive uh, yeah. amongst the top 10. How do we get to that standpoint from the United States perspective, in your opinion? I think um, we need to learn from Europe as far as residency programs that each club has. You know, I think I don't think all MLS teams have residency programs, for example, like academies where where the kids are like training every day and like sleeping there. I think IMG is an example of it. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure which other teams do it, but I think that's a big factor because it's like then you're bringing in more talent and you're giving these guys elite training every single day. And then I think, cause we have talent in the U S I just think that we're behind because like soccer is not the number one sport. Mm-hmm. And for example, the MLS is still, when you think about all the other leagues, it's fairly new. But if you look at the, the progression that we've made, it's, it's a lot, it's a big progression. So, I think we just need to start young and just have that that culture. And I think in France also, like kids play in the street more often, so they get that natural just flair and everything. And I think here it's more like, okay, you need to pay for your son to to be on a team or to play or whatever. I think if we have more like players who can play on the street and then get on a team, I think it can develop like more talent. No, I like that. Like a, a story that an old coach says in mind, he's like, you want to be able to have like where you're in the park one day, you see a bunch of kids playing and you're just like, all right, I need to get that kid on my team. Instead of exactly. like, like you said, trying out, uh, paying, you know, club fees, all that stuff and just have it like a more natural uh, feel yeah. to it. Because a lot of players do like individual training, right? In the U.S. They, mm-hmm. they want to hire a coach and then do these drills and stuff, which is good. But when you look at the difference in the States, I mean, in France <clears throat> or in Europe, a lot of kids can just go in the street and they can, whatever they saw on YouTube or on the TV, they try and they do that every day. And mm-hmm. then it's like, you got that authentic like flair and, you know. No, facts. And then talk about, uh, <clears throat> you know, from the standpoint of, you know, playing in the States, you know, you played MLS, you went on loan, uh, you went to Europe. And you went back, you started in the third division. So I'd yeah. imagine a, a bunch of people said, oh, damn, Romain fall off, fell off, you know. And then you immediately, you know, all you needed was a run of games to immediately progress. So talk yeah. about that, you know, that promotion relegation talk. A lot of people talk about that. Whereas if you were in MLS and you went down to USL, it might be hard to get back up. Where in Europe, you showcase yourself and now you're playing with Mamo. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I got released from Columbus, I wanted to go back to Europe immediately. Like I knew, I didn't even, you know, I didn't want to go back to the MLS in the beginning. So I was like, I'm not doing MLS, I, let's go back to Europe. And at the time I spoke to my agent and the best thing that he could bring to me was third division in Sweden. Now, I'm not going to lie to you, in the beginning I was like, I'm not doing that. Oh. Like, you know, I'm coming from the youth national team and and MLS, and then I go to third division, like, I, I feel like I could have got something better, right? But then you settle down and you, 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 you think about, you know, the possibilities and people speak to me that are close to me, like my family and everything. 
And then you hear that, like, okay, if you do well in this league, things can happen very quick. And to be honest, it was, it was probably the best option I had at the time. So I put my head down, and my whole motive that, that whole season was just get in there, do your thing, and get out. It was just like you need to focus on nothing else. And, you know, thankfully it worked out that way because it's not always for sure anything can happen, you know. And it was a big risk that I took, but a risk that paid off. And it was exactly like how, how we spoke about it before going exactly happened in that way. Nah, you know, the fact that you like were humble enough to do that, I think uh, if you can clip this part, because a lot of young Americans that think they've already arrived need to hear your story, you know, to be able to put your head down, be humble enough. Obviously, like you said, there's a chance it couldn't have happened. It was a big risk. But to, you know, sometimes you got to downsize for the uprise. And a lot of young Americans have had their careers end short because they're too stubborn to, you know, take that, that, that move. And yeah. unfortunate, now you don't hear about them, but now you're at Malmo, big yeah. club, Zlatan's boyhood club. Talk about, you know, what it's like playing, you know, for a historic club now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a proud moment when you when you realize how big the club is. And when you just take a look at, at how far you've come from the situations that I had been in before. Um, you know, I, when I was with my previous club, Sunsmo, we played against Malmo. And it was my second game in Sweden. And we were at their stadium. And I said, like, if I play for another team in Sweden, it, it has to be Malmo. Because the energy in the stadium was just different. It was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm... This is a big European club, you know? And so when I signed for them, it was just, it was it was all that. Like my first season was, I was continuing to score goals. We went to Europa League group stage. Like these are dreams that you have as a kid to actually compete in those, you know, playing against Chelsea in Europa League. Not just a friendly, it's like in Europa League knockout, you know? So, <laughs> he, said, he said, not the ICC Cup. He's like, actually... <laughs> Nah, but these are just things that you you dream of, you know, and then like being part of this club, you just you, you feel that, you know, it's a it's a pretty respected big club. So you just feel proud, you know, no, nah, most definitely. So what are some goals that you have for the upcoming season? You know, you've been there, you're established. What are some personal goals that you've set out for the upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I had a complicated season uh, last season. You know, um, so now I'm just coming in it with a fresh start, you know, just working hard in, in training, trying to trying to bring my qualities that I know I have um, that, you know, that brought me to the national team when I went. Um, so my goals are just to, you know, get back on the field, you know, help my team with stats um, and just enjoy my football. You know, uh, I think it's just big for me to enjoy it right now because I had such a difficult time last year. I didn't really enjoy playing anymore. So I think right now I'm just trying to find that love for it back and, and you know, get my stats back up and, and put my name back out there. No, most definitely. And then obviously, you know, you're African-American descent, you know, in France, there's a large African population. America mm-hmm. is a large African-American population. Uh, but you're in Scandinavia. Talk about your experience um, out there. Yeah, it's very different out here. Culture is so different. Um, 
people are less social. They're more reserved. So it's not like, you know, back home in the U.S. where kind of everybody's more open. Um, and, you know, people have their little routines that works for them. You know, they, they, they do their things. They live a nice life. Everybody's kind of like equal, you know, financially and everything. That's how the, the country's set up. Um, winters are brutal here because mm-hmm. it's dark and it's cold. Um, but the summer is probably the best time, you know, in Sweden. The summer is, it's hard to beat because everybody's out. Everybody has life. Um, the light, it stays, it stays uh, light outside till sometimes 10, 11 p.m., you know. So summers are nice. But it's definitely different than the U.S. just because culture-wise, people are less social and more yeah. reserved. Have you had to deal with any, like, you know, bad moments with uh, uh just being you know african-american um prejudice or anything once actually a few a few times my first experience when i was in new shopping in the first uh, swedish city you mm-hmm. know i i was just walking in the street and i got randomly like stopped by a police car and then they both came out and they asked for id and their excuses was like uh i looked like somebody they were looking for Right. So this, yeah. you know, and once they found out I was a player, then they start to ease up and they're like, sorry for that. And then they go on, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I, I would say that and maybe just, you know, getting randomly stopped for whatever reason. But other than that, no. OK. And then um, obviously you, you've kind of you kind of paved the way, you know, it's a you're I don't want to say this, but you're a good case study of a young player. You know, you've done the academy, uh, PSA, Casa Grande. You've gone to Europe at a young age. You've been to MLS at a young age. You've gone in the lower divisions in Europe and climbed your way up. What advice would you have for a young player, especially one um, that looks like us, um, that's looking to go and be a professional soccer player? Yeah, I would say my, my best advice would be to First of all, to ask yourself the right questions, like, do you really want it? Because it's going to get hard. And I know a lot of people say work hard and that's their main thing, but it's not even that because, of course, you have to work hard, but working hard has no guarantees. You know what I mean? So I think for me, it's like I would say to be mentally strong. I think the mental is more than half of half of your success or the game or anything because when things get hard that's really where you're going to get tested when people don't choose you when things don't go your way when you know that's when your mental starts to kill yourself inside and then you're not performing or whatever so my thing is like you know mentally be prepared for a battle and like train your mental if you can you know a lot of people forget that people go in the off season they work on their fitness they don't work on their mental so when things don't go right, you know, their mental gives up. So all the fitness things that you did, it, it doesn't count for anything, you know? So uh, my advice is just, yeah, like make sure you want it and speak to yourself. And it has to be like, you have to be mentally strong. Nice, man. Is there anything that you do specifically to help like meditate or, you know, some, yeah. some self-care? Yeah, I, I'm big on, um, you know, meditating, um, I'm not as consistent as I would like to be, but I'm getting there. Um, I speak, uh, I have affirmations that I, res- okay. you know, say to myself. 
um, visualize is something that I do just naturally, you know, whether I'm yeah. on the bus at home or whatever. But I think just like affirmations are a big one for me, especially right now, just talking to yourself, like reminding yourself constantly just these things, because it really does make a difference when you're consistent with it, you know, and uh, and I and I have a mental coach. I just uh, I just started with a mental coach about a year, a year now or a year and a half. So, man, I love that. I think it's really important. You know, like you said, people invest in, you know, physical trainers, masseuse, chefs. A nutrition coach, whatever, but you know, to have a mental coach, uh, big ups to you. And then when you talk about affirmations, I think in this digital age with you know young players on socials, and you never know which critics gonna say something about you. Yeah. Uh, you gotta you gotta aff- affirm yourself. You know, that's why they're watching you. That's why they're on TV paying for streams to watch you play. And right. you gotta affirm, make those affirmations. So I appreciate you sharing that. I think a lot of people can take. Uh, note of that whether you're a player or not yeah 100% uh, oh yeah let's get into some fun stuff yeah yeah um so we we heard in your spare time you like to make music yeah so tell us a little bit about that how'd you get into making music yeah I've been making music since I was like since I was pretty young you know just um at first it was always just for fun hobbies with some friends we'd just hop on like beats that you know were already popular and just write stuff and then and then I just, uh, I enjoyed making music. So once I learned how to mix and master my voice, I actually was like, okay, let me try Let me try to do something for real. And so I did. And I was actually surprised with how it came out. So then I started taking it a little bit more seriously. And then I had um, <clears throat> a lot of spare time after training and stuff. And I also have friends of mine who do music. So I was very involved in that. And uh yeah, then I just started picking it up, and I think people actually enjoyed the music, which made me take it a little bit more seriously. Okay. Okay, dope. So who are some of your biggest influences, like, musically? Like, who would you say you kind of tailor your, your sound after? Nah, it's hard to pick one person, because I, I, I think I just take from a lot of people. I, obviously, I listen to Drake. I listen to Tory Lanez, Travis, The Weeknd. Then I go to the Latino Bad Bunny uh, I listen to her, Kehlani. Like I just listen to a variety. Drake is my favorite artist, you know. But I listen to a lot of music and kind of just, you know, get inspired by it. whether it's lyrics or sounds or melodies. Yeah. Okay. So, so what do you do? You sing, rap, both? Yeah. No, I not like I'm not like a singer, but I'm like a okay. you know I rap, but then it's like melody. So okay. it's uh okay. yeah. That that trap R and B a little bit. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. like a, uh, like what's what's that guy's name? Um, he signed with Travis. I can't think of his name right now. Yeah, but cool. Travis, Travis is a big. I I love Travis's sound. So he's like, you know, yeah. dope. That's fire. All right. So do you have any music out currently? Like you got a SoundCloud or something? Yeah. So I I have a SoundCloud. The music that I have from there is from 2017. I actually made it in my bedroom stuff. So I made, I dropped four songs okay. on there. And then it actually did well without like me really promoting it or anything. But then after that, I said, I want to make like proper studio. Like I want to go to a studio because I had never really recorded in a studio, make a lot of music. And then kind of just when I have like a good amount of catalog, then start releasing it. But putting it on the bigger platforms, you know. So now I only have SoundCloud. 
What would the name of your first album be? I didn't think of that. I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, you know, sticking with music, like, you're also in the sneakers and fashion. So, like, who are some of your favorite brands at the moment? Uh, shout out to Nike. <laughs> 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 nah, I love uh, I love Nike, what they're doing right now with sneakers, with dunks and everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, if I had to go designer, I like Balenciaga. Um you know, I, I like a, a lot. I like very, I, I love vintage clothes. So I, I go, like I can go thrift shopping or just to vintage stores and get like, um, like this is from a vintage store. It's just a, like a print tees and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like a little bit of everything, you know. Okay, okay, dope. So like, what are some of the favorite, your favorite sneakers in your collection? Or like, if you had to pick one sneaker to wear for the rest of your life, what would it be? One sneaker to pick? Probably, probably, uh, oof, Jordan 1s. Probably. Okay. That's a, that's a classic. Can't go wrong like, with that. Can't, yeah. can't go wrong with yeah. that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Solid choice. Very multifaceted. Yeah. All right. So we know that, especially in Europe, you know, the footballers, especially the black ones, are, you know, very stylish, mm-hmm. drippy. If you had to make a fashion five-a-side out of footballers, who would be on it? Fashion five-a-side. All right. Oof, that's a good one. I'll put myself in there, for sure. Okay, got to. Yeah. Huh? Um, you gotta have that confidence. Yeah, put myself in there. Um, I'll put on, only football, right? Yo. Yeah. All right, I'll put uh, Benzema in there. Just cause not right. not just his drip, but his whole lifestyle, right? Yeah. It's just uh, it's yeah. a package. I'll he put, makes people want. He sons. makes people want to be footballers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, I'll put Joe Willock in there. He he. Shout out Joe Willock. Yeah, he gets cold with the fits. Um, I'll put uh, Emmanuel Dennis plays for Watford, and then. That's four. Yeah, and then I'm trying to think. Who would I put? I'll probably put, like, I'll put uh, Vanderville. Okay. Even though he's not playing no more, I'll put him, though. He's cool. That's how I know you're a fashion guy. You like, you pick some names that people might not pick, you know, yeah, off, yeah. Off, off first. Yeah, off I didn't want to say, I didn't want to say all the people that say are expected. The obvious, like, yeah. yeah. Some people they just see brands and stuff and they think, oh, he dressed nice, but yeah, it's, yeah. okay. So he got he got a real eye for yeah, it. Yeah, he got an eye sure. for it. How do you think, uh, from that standpoint, how do you think we can incorporate that in like America, like the culture, the fits, the you know, the swag? Because there's a couple of you guys that are doing it, but from a global perspective, it's not to the level of NBA, NFL, you know? Yeah, and. You know, I think it's just because NBA and NFL is like so many eyes on that league. And mm-hmm. like, you know, sometimes, and not even sometimes, just the pregame fits for the NBA is, 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 a, is a fashion show. So guys are just, they mm-hmm. know they're, they're going to be looked at. So they're putting on pieces or they're getting pieces from stylists. So I think like, but I think MLS is growing in that. But I think it's... Uh, it's just because the NBA and NFL is a bigger league, so people yeah. are going to focus on it, you know. Yeah. And I think 
they they love it too. They 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 do it. You know, you got a lot of guys in MLS who can't dress. But I feel like no, it's, <laughs> it's no. If I'm if I'm like a like a team captain or something, and I know like you know we're gonna get fitted, like yo, we gotta dress up. I, yeah, but sometimes can't be on some bummy stuff. Sometimes MLS also has dress codes. Yeah, you have to. Like, we're gonna talk to the team too, like coaches. Yeah. I I know who does it still. I I want to say Minnesota. I think like they have to wear suits. It's like yo leadership. You yeah, gotta talk to coach. Right. Nah, we got this is where I, we get our fits off. Like right. I mean, different teams. Yeah, different. Like either everybody dressed the same, or like I'm gonna give you the the freedom to express yourself. Like mm-hmm. I know when I was in Columbus, like we had to wear a shirt with a collar. And like you couldn't really wear sneakers, so you know there was like some some a dress code in a sense. Mm-hmm. So you can't really express but now, yourself. But now Burhalter are on the sidelines, rocking all the newest J's yeah. that come up. Like, <laughs> that's funny. I couldn't wear sneakers back then. We that's call crazy. it. We call it. We call it growth. You know. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Growing with the times. <laughs> okay. For real. What we got? What we got? Right, uh, rapid fire. Let's jump into some rapid fire. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so. What is one interesting fact about yourself that people wouldn't know? Uh, I think that I make music. I don't think people really would know that. Because okay. I don't really promote it. Okay. Also heard that you got a um you got like maybe a famous footballer cousin out there. Um This is what Ty told me, he may be wrong though. He might he might be thinking of Lacazette, but he's not my cousin. I just like my cousins knew him, and then I met him when I was very young. So he's a close friend. Oh, okay, okay, but all right. Okay, since you make music on game days, what's on your pre match playlist? Um, probably Drake, Lil Baby. Lil Lil Baby's probably up there right now. He he gets okay. me he gets me hype. He gets me in the mood. Yeah, yeah you don't little miss. baby, yeah, that dude. All right, um, let's see. Playing in Europe, what are some of your favorite away cities? Favorite away cities. Um, well, when we play in the league, Stockholm definitely, or uh, or Gothenburg, and uh, outside probably had been London when we went to play London, in uh, Chelsea and London. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right, dope. All right. Um, so first thing you do, what's the first thing you do when you move to a new team or city? First thing I do is look for a place to live, apartments or house. (laughs) Um, yeah, like that, right? All right. All right. What's the second thing you do after you got your spot? Like, all right, what's getting, getting acquainted with the city? What's, what's one of the first things that you got to do? Like you got to do. I don't really know, you know, like. I never really have to do anything. I just get acclimated, get a house. Uh, you don't find the like the like coldest barber, like or you got you are you big time oh, yeah, yeah. barber out, huh? Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do need to find a barber for sure. So I'll say I'll say that one. Yeah. Nah, okay. barber barbers okay. out here are hard to you know. It's not like home. It's <laughs> not like imagine. in the states. Yeah. Yeah, I could imagine. All right, so being from the DMV. Um, who would be on your DMV five aside? DMV five aside. Oof. Um, I put Joe Jow. Joe Jow. Shout out Joe. Yeah. He's out there in Sweden now too, right? Yeah, yeah. He just came he just out. Just got here. announced. Yeah. Respect. He just came out here. 
I'll put Joe Jow. Um, I don't really know too many people that's left in the DMV. I'll put Lester Dewey. He was back in the day. That was my guy. Yeah. Um, I'll put uh, Junior Flores, still out okay. there. Um, who else is out there? Colin Martin. Okay. And who else? I need one more. Then I put myself five. That's bad. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. DMV got some players. I'm not going to lie. DMV got some players. I'm not sure you're touching Cali, but still. Uh, <laughs> all right. Real, real quick before we get into training nice. topics, because you talked about uh, favorite away cities. Obviously, uh, Sweden's a little bit smaller. Favorite off-season vacation spot? Because I know you're European players. You guys go to Ibiza. You guys go to Dubai. You guys make the U.S. tour. Where's your favorite off-season spot? Right now, it's L.A. Okay. Yeah, L.A. for sure. Yeah, you can't miss L.A. Yeah. L.A. Is, yeah, you can't miss L.A. <laughs> yeah. I've seen you out there with uh, Zico Bailey. Yeah, it's my dog. That's the homie. That's the fam right there. Yeah. Sure, he should have a big year this year. Yeah, he should. All right. Um, let's jump into tr- trending topics. Um, hold on, I'm trying to get these little notes together. All right, trending topics. So trending topics is a segment where we'll grab some news headlines. It could be soccer-related, pop culture-related, what have you. But... Amobi and our guest Romain will give their opinions on these topics using the soccer card system. Um, so the rules are no card is I agree with it. I'm cool with it. Yellow card is I can go either way. Or I'm indifferent. And red card is I disagree or I'm not cool with it. And you guys will give a short explanation of why you gave it that card. Cool? Yeah. Got it? Yeah, let's get it. All right. First one. Roman Abramovich is putting Chelsea up for sale amid the ongoing Russian-Ukrainian war. Um, he's reportedly asking for four billion, um, but then he also plans to put his proceeds from the sale into a charitable organization benefiting all victims um, from the war in Ukraine. So, what card are we giving Abramovich for this decision? Uh, I go first. Yeah, yeah Roman, you want to take it, or I can go yeah. first. It doesn't matter. I'll do a yellow card. That's in between, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, because I feel like he's probably doing the right thing as far as what's going on and everything in the world, like outside of football. But at the same time, it's like bittersweet because I feel like he's probably like the best owner out there in football. And like to see him give up Chelsea is like is bittersweet, you know, because I think he ran the club very well. And like he'll be a big piece that's missing from the team. But at the same time, he's I think he's doing it for the right reasons. That's a, that's a good that's a good way to put it. Uh, for me, I, I, I got to go VAR with this one. I need I need to hear I need to see more details. I need to see like <laughs> what's going on behind the scenes because um, he's not obligated to sell. Obviously, his 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 ties to uh, Putin make things a little bit muddy. But if you look at the history of what's been going on, uh, that means he he should have sold the team a little earlier um there's like there's talks of him if 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 like the england fa forces him to sell he has an insurance clause that will give him two billion he wants four billion so i'm i'm gonna I'm I'm go to var to to get this situated uh i know that's like a non-answer but uh yeah that's that's my that's my choice you know it's a bittersweet for me because i'm a big chelsea fan so i don't really know how to navigate this one 
so that'll be an automatic no card <laughs> on our uh, since I gotta put something up there. All right, next one. Uh, Mexican international Hector Herrera is coming to MLS, um, especially during the World Cup year. He's Mexico's star midfielder. Um, so what card are we giving Houston? Actually, he's, he's coming to Houston. So what card are we giving Houston for this move? Granted, Hector is like 32, right? So, yeah. you know, the MLS retirement league stigma. Um, so what card are we that giving was Houston? Uh, Atletico Madrid, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they... No card means is good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I give Houston no card. Yeah, I agree. No card for Houston. You know, players are, even though he's a little bit older, 32, he's not really that old. He can give a solid three more years at a high level. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's naturally fit. He's played. And the last three years, he hasn't really played that much for Atletico Madrid. So it's not like he's been taxing on his body. Um, great for Houston from the standpoint of you got a Mexican international Hopefully they tap into that market. I know we was talking L about that. Um, yeah, no card for sure. And he brings experience. You know, he can bring uh, he can bring that locker room presence and that on-field presence because he's played at the highest level. So exactly can only benefit. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, last one. Jesse Marsh is the new manager at Leeds, um, taking over for, for Marcelo Bielsa. Marcelo Bielsa. Um, but during the interview, he cited Ted Lasso as a reason why U.S. coaches aren't being respected overseas. So what card are we giving Jesse for his comments? Nah, <laughs> I give him no card. I, I read, I heard the interview and I think he, um, nah, he answered, he answered well. I think he made light of it, but I think it's a W for, for the U.S., for a U.S. coach to be in the Prem. I think that's just like you said that that's like stepping over boundaries and like opening the door for other coaches to it hopefully he does well it's not an easy job and uh yeah. yeah i feel like it's a w for him yeah i would say uh yellow card and the only reason why i'm saying yellow card is because he said he hasn't watched ted lasso I'm sure he's watched it. He just doesn't <laughs> want to admit that. You know, that was just a PR play right there. But, yo, Jesse's a good coach. I never had him as a coach personally, but I've been, you know, I trained under him. Great coach. Uh, hopefully, like Ramon said, you know, hopefully he does well because, you know, as an American coach, just like as an American player, you're under a different microscope. Um, but, yeah, for him, he could have been chilling in MLS, you know, being the highest paid play, uh, coach. Um, but he's challenged himself and he's really set an example um, as a trendsetter uh, for other American coaches to um, to really do it. So, yeah, I'm hoping he does well. Leeds, they need to come out with uh, season two of the that docu that docu series that they had on Amazon, by the way. Um, but yeah, I'm good. <laughs> All right, that's it. Yeah, so yeah, that's it. Uh, Romain, thank you so much. We know it's late out there. How can people connect with you? Follow your journey. You know, whether it's your music, your fashion, your soccer career, you know, maybe link up in L.A. in the off season. How can they tap in with you? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I'm most active on Instagram. So it's just my name on Instagram. And uh, that's really the only social media that I use and I'm active on there. So if anything, just, I guess, send me a message on there and just follow me on there. Yeah. No, nah, most definitely. Well, thank you once again. We're going to have all your information in the show notes. Thank you so much, and good luck with the upcoming season. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, that's our show for this week. Subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. 
Follow us on the socials at Two Cents FC. Check out our merch at Two Cents Sports.shop. And tweet us your comments on the show and any topics you want me or L to discuss. Uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Peace out.